You're listening to New Wave Materials, Methods and Media, Glasgow School of Art, 1970-1986, a series of podcasts produced as part of a research project for Glasgow School of Art's archives and collections. I'm Debbie Banerjee. Episode 2, Section 5. Section 5 was an experimental first-year course run by Ted Odling. Initially, the course was set up in 1962, and in 1965, Ted was awarded a Leverhulme Fine Arts Travel Grant to visit art colleges across Europe. Following this trip, Ted set up a new general course at GSA for first and second year students. This podcast starts with Noelle Odling, daughter of Ted Odling, Jimmy Cosgrove, who studied at GSA from 1968 and specialised in printed textiles. He was a member of staff at GSA from 1973 to 1999 and held a number of positions during this time, including Head of Printed Textiles, Head of First Year Studies and Deputy Director of the School. Ellsworth Lamb was a student of Section 5 for two years from 1969 and then specialised in printmaking, and also husband and wife Bob and Eileen Murray, who met in Section 5. They also studied on the course for two years from 1968 and then specialised in graphic design and printmaking, respectively. Lynn McLaughlin started as an AV technician in the architecture school in 1978 and then went on to work as a technical assistant to the school in various departments. She currently works as part of the Learning Technology Resource Unit. And finally, Alistair MacDonald, who studied at GSA from 1973 and specialised in product design. He started to teach in first year studies in 1983 and then the design school. He is currently senior researcher in the School of Design. Here is Noel Odling. There's kind of notes on each place and some little sketches as well. I think Stuttgart and Bauhaus was really inspiring and you'll see from his notes that when he starts to make lots of sketches and things, really inspiring stuff that they were doing. See, these are also letters that Dad wrote to Harry Barnes. So, 65, from Paris, and then from Milan, Zurich. So he wrote, sort of, every few days he wrote, Mm. it seemed to be. I get the impression that the aim was that they were thinking of taking the teaching in a new direction, and one of the reasons for doing this was to gather material for that new course, but also... I think there was a name to try and get some kind of exchange going between some of the art schools in Europe and GSA, and I'm not sure that really came off. But he certainly got a lot of ideas, which ended up in Section 5, and then in the Foundation course. He was running what what was called Section 5. One of the tutors on Section 5 was Neil Morris, and Neil eventually worked with me on on first year, when I, I took over first year. But they were in a different building, they had an entirely different approach. A lot of it was systems and things, which was interesting, but I, I'm glad I didn't do it because w- what I did suited me fine. But there were probably a lot of other people who thought that was great. It's Elspeth Lamb. Well, it was quite interesting when I arrived. We were all put into alphabetical groups and there were all these, you know, all the information was up on the notice board and I couldn't find my name anywhere. And I started to panic, and then my friend who was with me said, oh, your, your name's in the sheet at the end, Section 5. And I didn't have any clue what the Section 5 was, and it just seemed like, what, what's going on? Bob Murray. Eileen Murray, and I was Eileen Ormiston when I was at the art school. 
none of us can remember it ever being formally described, but my recollection of it is seeing somewhere that it was described as an experimental design foundation course. We, we, we actually spent a bit of time as a group when we arrived trying to work out why we had been put into Section 5 and none of us could come up with things because we all came from different schools, different backgrounds, there didn't seem to be... And, and all we can figure out was it was just a random selection from the first year intake. We thought. Because our names were just right from... Different so parts of Elf. They just... I don't know whether it was every, every tenth name or something. I, I don't know. There were fourteen of us certainly in in that at that time. And it would be the same year. in the second year section that was there beside us at that time too. All my preconceptions about what art school would be like, like starting off painting on huge canvases and all all this kind of thing, were completely blown apart. <laughs> <laughs> because one of the first exercise, well, they were like exercises, projects, you'd probably call them now, we were given, was to make compositions with dots and lines. And we were all given these, they were grey, I remember, on white sheets of paper, these little grey dots, everybody's dots were the same. And then these grey paper lines, everything was, was the same size. And we were asked to make compositions that had tension, just using these dots and lines and I think from what I remember they were basing it on some kind of Bauhaus principle that's I seem to remember Bauhaus getting mentioned quite a few times and of course we were just absolutely quite shocked really <laughs> I think I went home and cried because I just wanted to paint <laughs> the very first one yes was the dots and lines exercise it was a four inch square of white paper and you had to arrange dots. So the first one, you, you, a single you, dot. you had to punch out dots from a paper punch. So you had black paper, and you arranged one dot on the square, glued it on. And then the next one, it was three dots. Three dots. And then the next one, I think it was as many. Five. Was it five? I think it was And five. then I think it was as many as, many you, as you wanted. Uh, and we did that on black and white paper. And then the next one, it was cut narrow, not very narrow strips, about two or three millimetre strips of black paper, black paper to go onto a white and arrange surface. one of those strips either vertically or horizontally on this four inch square of paper and then you could arrange as many as you liked in any direction you wanted and the result of that stood me in such I mean all my life now throughout my career from a compositional and, and you know in, yes, gra in, in graphic design and how I work out grids and, and what and it was just fundamental to me. I mean, we, at the time we thought, this is bizarre, but let's enjoy it. <laughs> you start to realise that it is all about composition and, and thinking. Thinking about, about exactly, how you place exactly where you were placing something on, on, on a piece of paper. Right. There was another exercise which I remember very well, and there was a still life arranged, mm. but we'd not to paint it in the traditional way. You had to scan across it, and uh, I, I don't know, was it, every, was it a quarter inch or half inch? I used to put you, you to, to look at what the predominant colour was, was as you were scanning, the, the predominant colour within that vertical strip, and you painted that colour from top to bottom. All these intervals, you just put in a vertical line of the predominant colour in that. Do you remember that better than I do? 
we, we did like if you know Chuck Close's work some of his early work consists of coloured squares that was another of our projects we had to make a composition but we had to divide the, the paint well it was a painting of sorts but we had to divide it up into squares and choose a colour for each box I mean looking back now it really made you observe I mean that was obviously the thing you had to really look at things and analyse the colours and break them down into squares and it wasn't really the easiest thing to do I mean straight out of school they had to put in the more traditional I think we drawing actually asked painting. if we could do figure drawing Yeah. and they put aside some time at the end of maybe one day a week or something like that and we we just drew each other. Yeah, and, and we, then eventually... We, we, did, we did get an introduction we, to life drawing. To life drawing. Yeah. And we were put into a, a room and the, the model was mm -hmm. sitting mm -hmm. on a seat on a raised surface, maybe on a table, a big mm -hmm. table, and the rest of us were all... Students were all sitting round about drawing. Mm -hmm. The approach was certainly something that I've never experienced before. But, you know, maybe if we'd had more of a general course and then we'd had this course, it would have made more sense. But I think we, we were thrown into it, really, and I think it was quite hard. You know, we were beginning to wonder, what kind of art school is this, you know? My name is Lynn McLaughlin. Uh, first year we're down in Blythwood Square, so they were kind of, I know it's not that far, but it did seem far away from the campus because she had two main roads to cross, <laughs> We were totally away from we were we were physically separated from in a completely separate building and We uh, really didn't know much about We what could was hear about people on. doing drawing and painting Ted. or they went to design or you know, but we were just doing our own thing down there with Ted and Mary Duncan and it was gone with it. <laughs> well I think you got the post up here directly after finishing his degree from the Royal College of Art in London. He came to be part of the painting department, so he must have started teaching at that point. And I think he didn't have the personality really for being kind of hotshot, famous portrait artist or something like that. He didn't, he didn't the sort of networking side of it, it was not something that really appealed to him. So I think that automatically kind of led him more into the teaching side of things. He liked working away on his own quietly in a corner really, and that doesn't make you famous. I would say <laughs> energetic. Yes. Enthusiastic, uh -huh. inventive, slightly eccentric, um, I, I full, even, full on. Uh -huh. uh. I would even describe him as a slightly like an absent-minded professor, but I don't mean it in an unkind way. As an example, in second year when we were doing one of the exercises, the paper was damp and it was like an imaginary landscape. I'm just using black paint. And he was coming round and looking and he always had his pipe with him. And as he leaned over, some of the ash came out and landed. And it was, oh, oh yes, yes, indeed, by cracking. And off he went. Ted, I told you Magnus Pike. Magnus Pike was a scientist on the TV just about that time, really. And that's what Ted reminded me of. He was like a mad scientist. Always wore a suit and he was always very well turned out, but he was mad as a hatter. Well, I, I remember thinking it was a bit old-fashioned. He wore tweedy jackets. I think he had glasses. He was tall. And he puffed away on a pipe all the time. Took quite a lot of matches to get it up and running. 
but he was quite a kind of fatherly man. I mean, there was an incident where there used to be a model at the art school who was a bit of a wild boy, and I got kind of involved with him. And I was taken in and given a pep talk. Ted and Neil, so I mean, they, they kind of kept an eye on you, I suppose. He enjoyed teaching from what Mary said, that he was he enjoyed his interaction with the students and kept that going. I remember him working a lot at home in his studio, making examples of the kinds of things that he was asking the students to do. In fact, Alex Gourley made a comment that they were given a whole load of straws or something like that and were told that you're going to make some kind of 3D object. And then the next day he came in with all sorts of weird things he'd made and Alex was sort of gobsmacked. Oh, no. <laughs> so sometimes I think the students perhaps found it quite difficult to deal with. That's what he was trained as a student, what he did in the Royal College of Art in London was landscape painting. And he continued to paint landscape throughout because through the summer he would go off and mostly paint in watercolour. So he would just sit down on the beach and paint and he would do oils as well, and he made a, um, an oil painting box, which has the the actual painting is in the lid, and you open up the lid, and it's got the palette, and you can move out the palette, and below it's got boxes for the paint. I think his interest in abstract art was quite closely connected with the sort of scientific side. He did a lot of work trying to work in his interest in science, and optics in particular, and I think it must have challenged some of the students quite severely. Some of them would get on with it and really like it, but I'm sure others went away with their heads spinning. And, uh... I'm Alistair MacDonald. I remember um, when I was a, a student of first year, he was kind of slightly, uh, how would you say, military, boffinous, boffin kind of person. Very enthusiastic. I think part of that generation, like other tutors at that time, had come out from, say, war service and, and being with the school. I remember how he had kind of quite a scientific kind of mind, I remember him talking about, for instance, the Polaroid land experiments, looking at things like colour theory and demonstrating these things through projectors, showing different colours of light. You didn't need three projectors. You could actually, the brain could be tricked to two forms of coloured light rather than three, and you made, you know, the, the brain compensated for that. I remember those kinds of things and, and the tutors who would be really into that uh, as well, like Neil Morrison. When I was in first year studies, I was kind of primarily interested in uh, visual art, drawing, painting, sculpture. So that, that formed part of the, that thing I was interested in. There was lots of other things in first year studies that I really wasn't interested in. And all I know about these is they went on the back of a Black & Decker drill and they went round and round at speed and they were kind of experiments in colour. See what happens when you put two colours together and then can blend them by spinning it. One of the things we did I really enjoyed was animation. Ted was quite into animation and filming but in those days of course there was no computers. There, there used to be an amazing shop called Stage Furnishings and we went there to buy this special coloured acetate. It's called Cinemoid I think it was used in the film animation business. We had to make a storyboard and we were each given a piece of music. It was from a piece of piano music, maybe eight bars, and then we had to work out the movement of your shapes to each bar of music. I had cubes and dots and triangles or something like that. Then we had a special showing. Ted sort of spliced everything and put it all together. I love that. You know, it's funny, I always meant to pursue that and I never kind of did.
We had to do our own little top three-stream animation to Dave Brubeck's Unsquare Dance. So he introduces the jazz as well. Yes, that's how I found out about Dave Brubeck. <laughs> it was a team effort, but we uh-huh. each had a wee section we too. And it was a Bolex film camera, like a Rostrum camera, and he was just shooting each frame, yeah. frame, 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 frame. So this thing was all was moving yeah. to the music. Ted was instrumental in the buying of all the video equipment. He was probably the main man, so that's why I was down there now and again. We had to use coloured shapes to create space, but in a shallow box. And we had to use doweling and cut it at different heights and then attach these card colours. So when you put it up, you were trying to create as much depth within the composition. That was the thing. We had to make everything. We had to make a wooden sculpture. We, we had to start with a block of wood and use a rasp and cutting tools and actually manipulate it. And that is the thing now. We were taught how to use tools that we'd never have gone near before. And going into printmaking and using, that came easily. The scraper burnishers, working again with hat with tools. It was all problem-solving stuff. Making these objects, having to work with wood, polystyrene. Not until maybe halfway through Two second year. year. And then we were told that we could pick a department that we th- mm-hmm. felt we would like to try and go up there and spend a couple of weeks. And I think perhaps you might have got a second choice. There was a second choice. I think there was a second choice. But what you did, you did a fortnight with in the department of your first choice. And, uh, and if you were lucky enough, that's where you went. That also counted on the, the tutor from the department coming down and seeing your work. Oh yes, yeah, very they much came so. Down to yes, see yeah. what you had been doing. And, and also discussing you with Ted, I presume. I ended up going into printmaking, which was a much more graphic medium. And I think that was probably because of that two years. It, it was more, I think, orientated towards more graphic approaches rather than painting. I think there was three of us went into printmaking actually from that group. One or two went into drawing and painting. And I think maybe design school and possibly textiles. I really was torn between textiles and printmaking. But one of the, the young tutor, Carol, whose surname I wish I could remember, she sort of reckoned from looking at my drawings that etching might be something I might be really interested in trying out. So she took me up to to visit Philip Reeves, who was head of printmaking, and uh, then he allowed me to go up and make an etching there. What um, went into graphics? Did Mary Pilpack go into textiles? I think she went into textiles. textiles. Annie went into ceramics. ceramics. Mary went into the drawing and painting. Davy went into drawing and painting. Paul. Paul went into drawing and painting. And Diana went into silversmithing and I went into printmaking. In those days we didn't do gap years after you had been at college. Most people probably went into teaching. I think the art school then was, my impression, just thinking about what it might be like now and the impressions I get and, and having come up to, I haven't been to a degree show for a wee while now, but ones I've come to, I think the art school had a better defined structure between departments. There was a, a clearer differential between the, the, the disciplines of each department, like fine art was drawing and painting, 
Um, photography didn't figure in fine art at those days. Photography was, was part of the graphic design. design. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was graphic design, there was printmaking. Which Ceramics. Were, so printmaking wasn't a fine art subject. Ceramics was completely separate. It was down in Hill Street. Sculpture textiles. Uh, so the, the departments, and I think some of the staff were, were, were more protective of their own disciplines also. I think the art school was more academic then than it perhaps is now although we've got this degree structure now within it, but I think possibly just down to the staff and the time. It was the end of the 60s, and there was still... The comprehensive education hadn't come in, and there was still streamed education in those days, so there probably was more of an academic aspect to the, to the teaching. But that's just my impression. I thought it was a slightly odd arrangement, that the, why printmaking was part of the Yes, I didn't understand design. it at the time. But that seemed but, to be the way that the printmaking was referred to as the graphic arts uh-huh. in those days. They really didn't have anything to do with it, the graphic design no. tutors. I don't think I'd become a graphic designer had I not been in, in Section mm-hmm. 5. I would probably have gone down the, the more traditional drawing and painting line. I, yeah, I think the, the exercises we did certainly influenced me from you know how I, I, I work on page layouts. And it worked, you know, when I come up in, into graphic design, I took to it like a duck to water. You've been listening to a podcast written and produced by Debbie Banerjee for Glasgow School of Arts Archives and Collections. For more information about the project, please visit gsaarchiveprojects.wordpress.com. Episode 3 will look at the mixed media course run by Roger Hoare from 1977 to 1981.